section sixty four of the inheritance by susan edmonstone ferrier this librivox recording is in the public domain volume two chapter thirty thy house and pleasing wife horace the snow had now disappeared the waters had subsided the air was soft for the season the cloudy welkin had cleared up into a fleecy dappled sky and sanguine spirits deemed that winter was past and gone for in the quaint words of cuddy in the shepherd's calendar when the shining sun laugheth once you demon the spring is come at once even the faintest breath of spring brings pleasure to all whose hearts are not seared and whose bodies are not iron we feel as if we were about to renew our existence the opening skies seem to smile upon us as they did in the days of our youth and again their bland influence steals upon our senses again we cast away the cares and the griefs of the world with its clouds and its storms and again spring up in our numbed hearts hopes that are angels in their birth but perish young like things of earth but it is not every one who owns such influences among the inmates of rossville castle a fine day produced its pleasures but they were of a different nature mrs st clair liked it that she might take an airing in state and accordingly set forth in all the pomp of a stately equipage lady betty liked the sun because it would shine upon that flora who was sent out to profit by it miss pratt having rummaged every creek and cranny in the interior of the house took advantage of it to look about her a little without doors to see what abuses she could detect uncle adam having seen dandy dinmont and dumple safe home closed his book and crept away with his hands behind his back to take a saunter lady rossville taking mr lindsay's arm set out as she had done on many a worse day to mark the progress of the improvements she had begun to accelerate if possible by her impatience the building of her schoolhouse and to visit some of the cottages of her poor with whose ways and wants she was now beginning to make herself acquainted her romantic expectation of finding elegant distress in mud cabins was now gradually dwindling away for wherever she went she met only the homeliness of matter-of-fact poverty gratitude and respect and blessings indeed were hers for how easy is it for the great to make themselves beloved by the poor how cheap the purchase of the best feelings of humanity gertrude was new to the luxury of doing good and her heart would swell and her eyes fill with tears as the trembling hand of age was raised to heaven to call down its blessings on her head and she could look almost with pleasure on the children her bounty had clothed even though their features were coarse and their dialect uncouth in the course of her domiciliary visits she found herself at the door of the cottage she had visited the memorable morning after her arrival at rossville and somewhat curious to know the state of affairs there she was about to enter when at that moment uncle adam was descried approaching they waited till he came up and then invited him to join in the visit which after a little humming and hawing he agreed to do the door was hard and fast shut but upon knocking it was banged open by our ci-devant friend 
the dame of the stoops who immediately recognized and most cordially welcomed her former visitor eh my leddy is this you i ax your pardon my leddy but i really didn't ken weel while you was the first time you was here just come for it, my leddy just step in our sir dinner be feared my leddy just gang in by etc 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 and carefully closing the door against the breath of heaven she ushered her guests into the dark precincts of her foul-aired smoky cabin a pressed bed with a bit of blue checked stuff hanging down denoted that the poor sufferer had now exchanged his seat by the fire for his bed and the chair which he had formerly occupied stood with its back to the fire covered with clothes apparently drying how does your husband do inquired lady rossville Ooh, deed my leddy he's just quite silly wise responded the dame in a whining melancholy key he just lies there snottering away pointing to the bed is he confined to bed asked mr lindsay no no sir he's no confined ony ways he gets up whiles but deed it's no eye convenient for me to hay him up for as i tell him what can he do when he is up for he's no fit to put his hand to ony thing and he's mare oot o the way there than he wad be ony place else more out of the way of regaining health certainly said mr lindsay health sir interrupted the hostess deed he'll ne'er hae health as lang as he lives he's just been draggle draggling on these twenty month by martimus i'm sure i've had a weary time at wi him and knew i cannot get a hand's turn mace done for him the hoose and all things just gone to destruction and i'm sure i really think shame o myself surveying two large dirty arms from top to toe and there's the weans poor things gone in perfect rags for i ne'er can get a steek put in either to their duds or my ain here the voice of the sick man was heard in a faint accent calling the good wife that's just the way he gangs on my leddy he just lies there and yelps 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 even on for me what is it new in her loudest sharpest key as she banged up to the bed a drink i wonder ye hae nay mare sense mon than to ask for a drink the new when her leddy ships here and master lindsay and all spearin for you mr lindsay here took up a jug of water which is standing on the top of a chest by the bedside and held it to the sick man's lips but the reproof was thrown away or rather misconstrued by his soothing helpmate oh sir i think shame o your taken say muckle trouble for he's just like a bairn he's i wantin somethin or anither and he's just lost all discretion thegither i wonder you dinna think shame o yourself to her husband when ye see the fashery you mac mr lindsay meanwhile having felt the invalid's pulse began to put a few queries to him touching his complaint have you much thirst asked he oh sir he wad drink the very ocean and let him pray let him speak for himself said lindsay again putting the question to the patient who seemed so unused to the privilege that he was evidently at a loss how to make use of it have you any pain in your head deed sir i dinna think he has muckle pain in his heed though he complains at whiles but as i often tell him i wis he had my back i'm sure i've a pain whiles atween my shoulders sir rolling a huge fat strong-looking back as she spoke 
i shall attend to your pains some other time if you will be so good as to keep them quiet for the present said lindsay then once more turning to the sick man he asked whether he had pain or weakness in his limbs that prevented him from rising i am sure i dinna ken what it is again interposed the incorrigible matron he cannot be sair i'm positive of that for there's naething like an income aboot him oh no 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 sir he's i keep it a hale skin and that's a great mercy he's very silly to be sure but that cannot be help it you can you never allow your husband to answer for himself asked mr lindsay at a loss whether to laugh or be provoked at this intolerable woman oo sir i'm sure he's welcome to speak for me but tweel i dinna think he kens very weel what till say or what it is that ails him tam shouting into his ear the leddy wants to hear and you can speak ony canna ye thank her for the braw clays and the siller she guides you should not you like to be up out of bed asked gertrude now trying her skill to extract an answer but before he had time to reply his mouthpiece again took up the word up my leddy deed he just crake crakes to be up and then wan he's up he crake crakes to be doon and it wad be very disconvenient for to hay him up the day for you see pointing to the clothes that were spread over the chairs the fire's all tain up wi his dead clays that i was gien an air to for they had got unco dampish wise wi the wat weather and i'm thinkin he'll no be long a wantin them new and this is sicken a bonny day i thought what atween the fire and the sun they wad be sure to get a good toast uncle adam had hitherto practised a degree of forbearance which had scarcely a parallel in his whole life and conversation but indeed from the moment the dame had first opened her lips he had felt that words would be weak weapons to have recourse to and that nothing less than smiting could at all satisfy his outraged feelings luckily at this moment she was not within reach of his arm otherwise it is to be feared his wrath would have vented itself not in thin air but in solid blows as it was he at length burst forth like a volcano with airing the honest man's dead clays when the breath's in his body yet ear bald to treat a living man as ye wad a sweeled corpse and turn his very hoose into a kirkyard how dar ye set up your face to keep him fray his ain fireside for ony o your dead duds and snatching up the paraphernalia so ostentatiously displayed he thrust the whole into the fire there that'll gie them a good toast for you said he and as they broke into a blaze he quitted the cabin eh sirs the bonny clays that cost sae much call siller sobbed the mistress in hysterical tone as she made an ineffectual effort to save them the ill-fired carl that he is to tack upon him for to set low to ony honest mons wunden sheep lady rossville was confounded for as she but imperfectly comprehended the pith of the parley that had taken place the action appeared to her as indeed it was perfectly outrageous and her purse was instantly opened to repair this breach of law and justice 
but lindsay could scarcely keep from laughing at the tragicomic scene that had just taken place from his knowledge of the character and modes of thinking of the scottish peasantry he was not at all surprised at the good wife's preparations but while she was engrossed with her attempts to redeem some bits of the linen from the flames he took the opportunity of carrying on his colloquy with the husband so i see your wife does not attempt to conceal from you the danger you are in said he na na said the invalid perking up what for what she do that they wadna be a true friend that wad hide a man's danger frae him we're all ready enough to hide it frae ourselves and forget the care of our ain immortal souls you've seen your minister then i suppose ooh ay honest man he calls in nows and thuns and muckle edification i get frae him then calling to his dame he began to comfort her for the loss she had sustained as though it had been her own holiday suit what a shocking woman exclaimed gertrude as they quitted the cottage how worse than unfeeling to have prepared her husband's dead clothes and have them even displayed before his eyes in that manner she certainly is not a favourable specimen of a scotch good wife answered mr lindsay but i have seen the most affectionate wife talk of the death of her husband even while administering to his wants with the greatest solicitude but they are much less sophisticated in their ideas upon these subjects than we are they would think it highly wrong to use any deception at such a time but how shocking to hear one's death talked of as inevitable but they do not talk of it in that manner they believe that all things are possible with god they send for the doctors they do for the minister and pray for a blessing on the means used they leave all in the hand of god i have seen many on their deathbeds in various circumstances and i have always found that they who were in the habit of hearing of death and eternity of conversing with their ministers and religious people have generally speaking looked forward to death with resignation and composure i can indeed easily imagine said lady rossfield that the poor man we have just left must look forward to heaven with great complacency were it only to be rid of that tormenting creature and out of that vile smoky cabin a smoky house and a scolding wife have indeed always been looked upon as the ne plus ultra of human misery but that is only amongst the rich when you have seen more of the poor you will be satisfied there are still greater evils you are still a novice in the miseries of life gertrude perhaps so and yet she stopped inside and they proceeded homewards in silence End of section sixty four